Attention culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCAST is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts on the socials at nomcastpod and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith. And I'm Andrew Tahada. I am a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a freelance writer with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a film and its connection to the DC animated movie universe, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This is yet another DC Animated Podcast. Welcome to yet another episode, yet another DC Animated Podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Chance. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That is exactly 30 years after Catwoman made her live-action debut, 1966. Ooh! Yeah. Clean 30. Clean 30 there. (laughs) Which is our ages. So you know it all adds up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, on the bright side, we get a chance to really just get a chance to experience who Catwoman is, along with a very secretive kind of fella, someone who just really has some bad medical insurance, probably. (laughs) His premium plan was go to Rite Aid and get some bandages. <laughs> yes, and this character we're talking about is the villain in our film today, Batman Hush. At a runtime of 82 minutes, this film has Justin Copeland taking over the directorial seat. Uh, so we get a little break from Sam Liu here. Uh, in this animated adaptation of the 2003 comic by Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee. And we see the return of many members of the Bat family Except for Batwoman and Batwing, which I think is a welcome choice in our opinion. I mean, honestly, I don't mind if they forgot about them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, either way, we got a bunch of other heroes and villains who we get a chance to see. But let's really just, I guess, focus on the newcomers that we have here. Like once upon a time, Jennifer Morrison played a doctor, but now she is the voice of Selena Kyle Catwoman. Maury Sterling is Thomas Elliott. Jeffrey Aron is our main villain, Hush. And finally, this is my favorite casting so far. We have Peyton Liss, voicing Poison Ivy, and Peyton Liss, voicing Batgirl. Talent. This girl is talent. This woman, I believe now, is very talented mm-hmm. to, to pull off this dual performance because <laughs> talk about opposites. Actually, this is, you know, this is actually really two different actresses. Oh, wait, what? what? <laughs> yes, Peyton Liss. We have Peyton Liss, who we've seen from the CW as a Golden Glider. 
And also she actually plays the live action Poison Ivy in the TV series Gotham. But then we also have Peyton Arliss from Disney Channel fame from Jesse Bunked. Um, we also have her in the Karate Kid currently. She voices Batgirl. All right. See, you messed with me there. You caught me with the Peyton list. I was paying attention, but that's... <laughs> They did this on purpose. They did this because they knew we would do this. Yes. Well, now that we've, I guess, cleared up that confusion on who's made it on our list here with Peyton List, uh, let's dive into our film, Batman Hush. This movie starts as every Batman movie should from now on. Bruce has got the juice. He's at a party. Everybody wants to shake his hand. Everybody wants to hand him a drink. He's a playboy. And does he care? No. Because he's on the phone while Nightwing is burning a pile of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is, I guess, pretty much against everything that Dare told us. <laughs> like, and, I don't know. But as he's talking with Nightwing and also on the joint call with Alfred, he gets approached by Selena Kyle, who makes her way through the crowd and is just as elegant as she can be who probably has more appeal than bruce wayne has at this party right now because she's catching everyone's attention yeah she is clearly having some kind of tension and some kind of history with with bruce that is hinted at but like any good party on a friday night his best friend that we just heard about <laughs> tommy <laughs> elliott interrupts their conversation it's like hey i saw you on facebook 10 weeks ago bruce you never answered my direct message you want to hang out you want to you want to hang out right now and tommy is literally he's he is that guy because his first thought was let's go grab drinks let's do shots like bro we're at a formal function (laughs) (laughs) a martini at least bro come on (laughs) the two of them now by which we mean bruce and selena they're conversing they're talking it definitely is hinting at this past that they have and at that moment bruce gets a call telling him that he needs to suit up because there is something going down there is a kid who has been kidnapped and as he makes this escape selena gets a text message that says here kitty kitty so now we're assuming does somebody know that selena kyle is catwoman identities in this movie that's a really really good running theme they both head off to um different directions batman after changing in the parking garage okay batman. <laughs> it's like he's, he's kind of i'm kind of appreciative of the fact that we get a chance to see batman change <laughs> um, but at the same time it was just like we've never seen it before so it just seemed kind of out of place it was kind of weird i was like a parking garage really right but he goes to the scene of the kidnapping where bane has somebody hostage And in this moment, I love it because it's a random thug with Bane that Batman beats the ever-loving life (laughs) out of. I Batman doesn't kill, but I I think that dog was dead after that beating that Batman (laughs) gave him. It was it was brutal. I was like, are we watching Robert Pattinson in the the 2022 Batman just beating somebody down? Oh my gosh. Yeah, he was not holding back whatsoever. But it's a good thing I guess he didn't because next up he has he spines the kid and is trying to save him. And Bane pops up and he's just really kind of incoherent. It's clear that he apparently has been juicing way more than he's already been juicing. I would give this guy the most jacked award, but there's somebody else who I'm saving it for. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, damn it. So close. (laughs) Sorry, Bane. Next time. Yeah. But the two of them are now fighting. It really is kind of 
almost to the point where you might see that Bruce might fail. And Bruce decides to pull something that I think the last time this happened, it was with Son of Batman, in which he decides to shock Bane to cut the wires connected to the, the venom connected to his body and then shocks him. Very similar to what I saw as Tali Al Ghul doing the Kill Croc back in our Son of Batman film. So Bane's down for the count. And then at that moment, we see someone lurking in the shadows. I also want to mention that Batman managed to get the biggest cuffs in the universe around Bane's wrists because oh, yeah. <laughs> his wrists are like the size of five heads each. So he got these <laughs> giant cuffs on Bane before he did anything. But he runs into Lady Shiva and Lady Shiva go, basically lets him know, yo, someone's been messing around with some Lazarus pits. I just wanted to give you a heads up because things are going down in your city. I'm not here to start no smoke. I'm just, I'm just here to let you know. And Batman's like, all right, appreciate it. Lady Shiva leaves, which is, I have to mention early on, something I, I love about this movie. Characters that are introduced, like iconic characters, they come in and then they leave. It's, mm-hmm. They do not come back. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I'm here for my scene and I'm gone. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> showing restraint and not weaving them into the movie. As much as I love when you have people like Tusk in every other scene, I appreciate when you can just let them go after they show up. <laughs> yeah, so Lady Shiva walks away. Batman is now helping this kid who also kicks Bane in the face and calls him an asshole, which <laughs> just reminds me of, um, what's it called? Oh, Hancock. <laughs> Batman was like, New Robin? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and as Batman is settling things the cops come in and they realize that the ransom money for this kid has gone missing batman's looking around and he sees that catwoman has escaped with a duffel bag on her back and the chase ensues of batman trying to get to her and they have this uh very much like it's kind of like cops and robbers or i should actually just say cat and mouse kind of chase happening mm. As they're also flirting with one another. <laughs> yeah, it's real hot, you know, running through the city, chasing your kind of mortal nemesis for money <laughs> that was just used to ransom off a kid. And in the middle of this pursuit, we see a mysterious figure in bandages, uh, soon to be named Hush, uh, shoot Batman's swinging line. So he goes into the ground hard. He takes a 500-story fall with no precautions, which really made me wonder, how does this not happen more often? (laughs) 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 Like, either Hush was using a really powerful gun, or that wire is not as secure as it looks. Yeah, that's a good point. We need to get, like, a a physics lesson on just, like, all of Batman's technology. Like, what is the tensile strength of these, you know, these, like, this grapple gun and whatnot? He's falling basically to the point where he's there, there's there's a crater in the ground, much reminiscent of how what Superman left in <laughs> Justice League versus Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. And there right now we get our title card. And I got to say, I love the animation on this, even though it reminded me very much of the title intros of Mad Men and the music very much sounded like Archer. Mm, yes. So... <laughs> The next thing that happens is Catwoman does help save him from being amassed by a group of 
I, I don't know, but I don't really know what to call them. Uh, this group of guys, <laughs> just some randos, yeah. Um, she whips them <laughs> at that moment. We get, which I was very surprised to see, and I forgot this had happened, Batgirl returns. Yes, Batgirl, after she makes up these thugs, give up on crime entirely, she gets into a little scuffle with Catwoman. And luckily, it doesn't take them too long to realize that they have the same goal. They just want to get Batman home safe. So Catwoman kind of just like lets her go. Like she could win this fight, but she lets Batgirl go with Batman. And Batgirl returns to the Batcave with Batman. And immediately Alfred and Nightwing are like, okay, we're going to take a car. We're going to crash it at this mile marker at this speed, 45 miles per hour. We're going to say he has a head injury, take him to the hospital. And one of the great lines of this movie, Batgirl goes, pretty screwed up. You guys have a plan for this. <laughs> also, I just want to say, too, that, like, their understanding of physics in this film has been better than anything I probably put forward in this podcast. So appreciate that Nightwing and Alfred did all the work for us here. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you guys for doing the math. Also, a related line that comes in shortly after is Alfred saying, I'd prefer not to buttle for the world's greatest vegetable. <laughs> Have you been taking lessons from Damien, Alfred? Because, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and we cut back to our scene with Catwoman has the money in hand and she heads on over to another shadowy figure. There's a lot of shadowy figures in this film. <laughs> And we discovered that it's Poison Ivy, our Peyton List Poison Ivy. <laughs> Not to be confused with our Peyton List backer. Yes. <laughs> the two of them are talking and it's clear that Catwoman has been possessed by Poison Ivy by means of her plant pheromone things again not a scientist not a herbologist and as they're talking the Catwoman exits out but it seems that again there is another shadowy figure in their <laughs> presence as we see our bandaged individual has walked over to Poison Ivy and the two of them seem to be making kind of a deal he gives her a glowing green box, which I'm pretty sure that John Dick of the CW series is probably looking for <laughs> right now. The final thing that does happen is Alfred suggests that maybe they talk to Thomas Elliott, who apparently is this world-renowned surgeon, sure, um, to help Bruce during this stage because they're, it, the boy's body is messed up, to say the least. Yeah, Alfred's like, I, I don't work on brains. I can yeah. sew wounds and stuff, but brains are not my thing. <laughs> so Tommy swoops in, does amazing brain surgery off screen, <laughs> saves Bruce's life. And Bruce is like, boy, you're my boy. I'm so sorry uh, for ignoring all your Facebook invites and pokes. <laughs> I am, I'm going to make this right. I want to be a better friend to you. And he's like, I'm going to commit to this. And Tommy's like, okay, Bruce. And Bruce immediately goes back to work and finds Catwoman because, hey, we don't got time to be friends right now, all right? Mm -hmm. We're on the case. He and Catwoman link up for information before they hook up for some information. <laughs> Bruce decides that, again, he needs to get back into action. He's bringing over this knockout or like anti-steroid thing because he's, I don't know how you create such things. He goes over to where <laughs> Bane is at and he sees that Amanda Waller is there watching everything go down. 
they have a conversation about what's happening with Bane and all of that. And it's clear that the two of them don't like each other. But what's even more clear is that Batman knows about the existence of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, he's got that blackmail. He's got the receipts. He's like, mm-hmm. yo, try that thing again and let's see what happens. And Amanda Waller's like, really now? Um, but before they start throwing punches, which, God, I would love to see, <laughs> Bane gets out of containment because it's Bane. Come on, you right. can't keep this guy locked up anywhere. And they go chasing after him across the city, and he makes his way back to Ivy's greenhouse. While at Ivy's greenhouse, he sees Catwoman, who is also there in the place, just looking around for things. And he's demanding for the money. I... Catwoman says that she gave up the money to Ivy. She doesn't know where it is. So now the two of them are starting to fight. Batman jumps in and he's trying to, he's trying to help. He's trying to say something to stop the fighting. But at this point, it's too late. Amanda Waller has arrived in her helicopter, taken all the, the bullet things that Bruce has put together, this anti-mutant gen. I don't know, maybe talk to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's a, that's a movie for another day, folks. She shoots up Bane and carries him away. And we never know what happens to Bane after that. Is he now a member of the Suicide Squad? Well, you won't find out here because we're going to keep on talking about Batman and Catwoman who decide to team up. And this is, again, when we see them hook up and kiss for the first time. Yeah, they they clearly have some tension that they need to work out. But also, they do make a pretty good team together. So... Mm. They, their lead is taking them to Metropolis. So Batman decides to set up an interview as Bruce Wayne and hit on Lois right in front of Superman, <laughs> the world's greatest detective, more like the world's greatest player. I mean, come on, Bruce, right in front of, right in front of Clark? Right, do this in front of Clark? I mean, he just came back to life. So that, no, that means he has a reason to live, bro. <laughs> <laughs> He also steals Clark's nemesis because he (laughs) takes a visit (laughs) to Lex Luthor, who is way too casual about Batman showing up in his bedroom at 3 a.m. Lex is just like, oh, it's just Batman. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? As they're talking, they realize that there is a chemical or something that is being used that Lex Luthor's company was was transporting and it seems to have been taken and it's now being used by Ivy. By using this knowledge, they find a location of where Ivy is hauled up in Metropolis. Catwoman enters the scene first, pretending to be still under Ivy's influence, to which Ivy was just like, you really thought you can trick me? Like, I know. And uh, now's as good a time as any, just to throw this in here before we, we forget. Oh, yes. Ivy, Catwoman, they're all drawn very sexily. We just got to <laughs> mention. Again, the writers are a little, little, little much, little much with Ivy's leotard. It's like, we get it. Poison Ivy's a plant girl. She doesn't like clothes that much, but can you give her a, a pair of shorts? <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you, yeah, if you want to... Matt, to to give you a perfect picture of what Ivy looked like, if you saw, if you heard really about our comments about the Talia Al Ghul scenario, just imagine Talia Al Ghul naked and painted green, (laughs) of different shades of green to accentuate clothing in some way, shape, or form. So as Catwoman and Poison Ivy are fighting, Batman also jumps in, to which 
Ivy says, oh, I see now you two are together. Okay, you brought your champion. I see you, girl. Like, I see what you're doing. Guess what? I brought my own. And at that moment, we see Superman has burst through with some greenery around his neck, showing that he too has been possessed by poison ivy. And now is at that moment where we see Batman just basically saying, we need to get the hell out of here right now. Yeah, Batman remembers that ass beating from the first time they met in back in war. <laughs> and he was not trying to repeat that. Of course, he has a plan that we, we don't, we're not privy to quite yet. Part of the plan is him diving into a sewer pipe, which I think he is way too eager to do. <laughs> He's <laughs> way too okay with jumping into the sewers. And this is after he sustained a serious head injury. So also keep that in mind. He's really concussed at mm -hmm. this point. But he gets Superman to a certain spot underground. And in a, a tactic, he realizes Superman still has hesitancy to kill. So he says, look, the sewer we're under it right now is full of gas. If you use your laser vision on me, we're going to blow up the entire block. Many people will die. And Superman's like, oh, no. And Batman goes, just kidding. Kryptonite knuckle dusters. And oh starts beating gosh. the crap. This, <laughs> this right here is the real Batman v Superman. This mm -hmm. is the matchup. I don't care. Dark Knight rises, uh, returns, uh, Batman v <laughs> Superman. I don't care what. This is the title fight you've been waiting for. <laughs> Yes, I love these things. I love these they brass knuckles with just kryptonite on just the, oh gosh, it's a beautiful weapon if you want to use it against Superman. So as Batman is spending him off, Superman unfortunately does take the lead. At this moment, we're still trying to figure out what is Catwoman doing? Because she just ran off with some idea of the plan. And as they exit out of the sewer, Batman reveals to Superman that Catwoman went to go pick up a person that he loves over at the Daily Planet. We cut to a scene in which Catwoman is holding on to Lois Lane on the very roof of the Daily Planet. And in that moment, she pushes her off to which Superman snaps out of his possessed state to fly off to save her. And once again, we get such a loving, touching moment between the two of them as you know, Superman has caught Lois Lane. Lois Lane has caught Superman has been cheating. <laughs> because he got he had green lipstick on his lips for when he was possessed by poison ivy and they talk things through and they're trying to figure out next steps as they head on back to ivy's hideout it is batman and superman the world's finest has gone to confront her first and none of that matters because when you have two of the strongest individuals there you leave it to catwoman to lay the smacketh down on, yeah. on ivy <laughs> one kick sent ivy to the shadow realm it was just <laughs> ugly Ooh. and it she's she's down for the count and ivy you know reveals it was all you know set up not her fault she had all, all these instructions from hush and superman is understandably pissed about the whole lois throwing off the roof thing mm -hmm. and he basically tells batman and catwoman your time in metropolis is up <laughs> get the hell out <laughs> And like, we don't really, need you anymore as a house guest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're done. We're done with our superhero, great world's finest team up. And in an, a nice little subtle moment, after Superman has left, because Batman defended Catwoman's actions, said this is what needed to happen. But after mm -hmm. Superman's gone, he turns to Catwoman and is like, 
yo, you weren't supposed to throw her off the roof. Like that wasn't, that wasn't the plan, which led me to two things. One, what was the plan? And two, <laughs> him defending Catwoman when he could have easily been like, oh, I just told her to take her to the roof. She wasn't going to throw him off. Like her, him stepping up and putting himself mm-hmm. in between Superman's fist and Catwoman, that really showed a new level of like attachment to Catwoman. Like he was really committed. And I, I really liked that little moment in there. Agreed. This movie is really showing us that the Catwoman bat- Batman love is this is the movie where it's happening right now. And it's being honestly, it's being shown so well because it is well paced. We we got a, a sense of just like there is a history behind these two, but it's little moments like this where it's just like, OK, it could be a newfound love like the flame has been rekindled here. Because once again, they kiss before leaving Metropolis and we get a jump to the future of a future date where Nightwing and Alfred are basically just trolling Batman for going out with Selena Kyle. <laughs> and you know, the king of trolls had to come into because Davian Wayne calls in on a video phone looking like he's about to drop the hottest rap album <laughs> of the year. Yes. With his dog, his chain. He tells his father, oh my, this, everything he says is gold. But the highlight of the conversation is Damien tells his own father, remember to use protection. You know what happened last time. (laughs) (laughs) And then the best part is that Titus, who got the name of the dog here, agrees with him. Also, Titus is my pick for most jacked individual because it has been like two movies. What kind of Purina dog chow is this boy eating? (laughs) This guy is on the superfood. Like, we have not seen. He's eating pure kryptonite at this point. Jesus, this dog is jacked. Word, watch out, crypto. (laughs) And the date that they're going on is a date to the opera, at which point they cross paths with Thomas Elliott, um, who comes back into our picture here. He's also on a date with some random person, but... While they're settling in for their date, we jump to a scene in which Harley Quinn makes an appearance. We got another Suicide Squad member who's come through as she is coming in to celebrate the birthdays of her hyenas. (laughs) Yes, but unfortunately, her man of honor, Mr. J, has been kidnapped by Hush. Mm -hmm. And the only way that he she can get him back is by going to the opera and killing somebody of his choice. And unfortunately, this beautiful opera piece in Gotham is interrupted by Harley Quinn coming on stage and knocking the actor out. Don't perform <laughs> in Gotham. That, that's yeah, the moral no. of the story. Do not perform live in Gotham. Why? Yeah. Why Maybe Coast life? City. Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> Coast City, you're fine. <laughs> so Harley Quinn and her gang are just basically shooting up the place because the target in question is Bruce Wayne. So Bruce is able to avoid all the gunshots while no one figures out that his movements are very similar to Batman. But as this is happening, Thomas leaves. He heads on out trying to keep people safe. But at the same time, Selina dons her Catwoman suit to really jump in and help out as well. So the two of them are fighting, Harley Quinn and and Catwoman. And it's getting clear now to a lot of the people that Catwoman and maybe Batman are together because at one point when Harley Quinn seems to have taken over the, into the fight, Selena gets hit and that leads to Batman jumping in to save her before she falls. 
they're now chasing after each other because Selena's like, I'm good, go do your job. As they are running after each other, Harley is running away, Batman is trying to follow her. He ends up heading outside where he hears a gunshot. And he immediately runs over to where the shot comes from. Just also want to point out that the scene that we see here is very reminiscent of what happened to Bruce as a kid when his parents were killed. So it might actually be the same alley because as we're seeing this moment through Bruce's eyes, we see Thomas Elliott on the ground, bleeding out from his chest from a single gunshot wound. And Joker is standing or squatting on top of a barrel of some sort, holding his gun in his hand with the words bang coming out in that typical Joker-like gun that we've seen in a lot of animated productions in the past. Yeah, and Batman does not hesitate to, again, remove Joker's life punch by punch. And it is one of the most brutal beatings we have ever seen him do. And Joker is uh, hilariously going, stop, stop, stop me if you've heard this one before while getting beaten (laughs) up. But he keeps pleading that he didn't shoot. He's like, trust me, I want you to break your code, but it's for something I actually did. Batman is ready to choke out the life out of Joker until Jim comes by in, ah. This scene is fantastic. I, you, you, uh, I'll let you take this. Uh, oh, God, this yes. is a good scene. I love this scene because we hear it first from Joker saying, I want you to break your code, but not for something that I didn't do. But we now see a parallel with Jim, who talks about you and I have both been through so much with this man for this city. I'm not going to let you break your code here but I will stop you by any means necessary from doing this. Don't let me do this, not over him. This moment, just really jumping quickly to our comic book section, it really just showed us, like there was a lot of attention that was taken to replicating this moment in this animated film. There's more context in the the comic, mainly because at the time, these are after the events of the killing joke. These are after the events of, Commissioner Gordon actually losing his wife to the Joker killing her. So we don't get a chance to see Joker doing any of this stuff to Jim's, Jim Gordon's family and now, but it still brings forward that same energy and compassion towards Batman that Jim has for him. And honestly, I just love this scene because it really showed that at the end of the day, Bruce has a lot of people that he is fighting in this war with but Jim is kind of like the person that understands what he's going through because Jim was the one that really lost the most in this war so I love this scene and he was able to talk Batman down fortunately from killing him and you know do the proper thing of justice not vengeance yeah that that's so well said and so well described this scene is definitely a highlight of this was the moment where i was like okay now i'm gonna mm-hmm. let you guys have another batman movie <laughs> if you're gonna do stuff <laughs> like this because you don't, you don't get to see you get to see shades of this in like dark knight there's a scene where you know jim has the gun on batman for like a second but mm-hmm. you never feel that he's about to pull the trigger like you do in this scene that yeah. he he's gonna have he'd rather shoot batman maybe even kill Batman 
then see the symbol of Batman tarnished by him killing, which is really, really nice. And Batman backs off. Gordon, because these hands are 50% off, punches the Joker one last time before taking him to jail. Because and- uh, he made a comment about Robin, and it was just like any any person that knows the story of Jason Todd felt that cut a little oh teeth there. God. Yeah, it just <laughs> clocks him. Ugh. So Bruce goes to the funeral of Thomas Elliot. Selena is there to comfort him. And after this close moment, Bruce decides, I'm going to give it a go. I'm not going to, which is a really nice, subtle touch that after his best friend dies, who he had promised to spend time with, he decides not to waste any more time in his life and other aspects. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what motivates him to reach out to Selena for real as Bruce, not to waste any more time to to just go after it. And Nightwing and Alfred are giving Bruce the look like, all right, bro. All right. Nightwing's giving him some relationship advice. Like, yo, don't make sure you let her know what's on the up and up. It, it's it's really nice to see all of them pushing for this relationship. Yes. And this is where I felt like the movie, it did a good job in terms of the graphic novel feel. A lot of big things about the graphic novels is just like, it is one linear story that does come to an end, but this is something that was actually translated really, really well into the comic as well, is that we get a jump into kind of like the next stage as we see Bruce and Nightwing are investigating everything about Thomas Elliot's death. It has been a time of passage. Batman seems to be feeling better. He's been processing it well. But as he's going through the crime log of what happened to, to Tommy, he realizes more and more that Joker is innocent. Nightwing is just shocked to hear this revelation because it's just like, you know, they pretty much had the smoking gun right there. Yeah. But there is some differences in what happened. And the more and more that he's thinking things through, he's think, he's seeing how each one of these villains have intertwined with his life in a very similar way. And the more he thinks about it, the more he's realizing that it's not Batman's life that is being messed around with. It's Bruce Wayne's life that's being messed around with. Thus showing the biggest reveal of all that Hush knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah, this rocks him to the core and makes him realize that anyone close to either Bruce or a Batman is at risk. So, you know, Damien is safe for the Titans. Nightwing can take care of himself. Mm -hmm. So he decides to go to Catwoman. And to convince Catwoman, you need to listen to me, you need to take my advice, he reveals that he is Bruce Wayne, which is also really funny because half the movie he spends flirting with using both his personalities to flirt with Catwoman. <laughs> like, oh, is there a mysterious stranger in your life? Like, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Just talk, gassing yourself up. But she surprisingly not only is fully accepting of this revelation, she immediately is like, let's go to bed. And they have a wild night, presumably, probably playing Jenga. And they wake up and decide, you know, maybe, maybe this is a new level of trust. So much so that Batman takes Catwoman to the Batcave. Nightwing is so shocked, he falls off his uneven (laughs) bars. I do straight up scorpions off of this thing. Like, <laughs> dear lord. 
Alfred is unfazed. He has the, he has the sandwiches on deck. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the start of a beautiful relationship. One of the things that does happen too is an alert comes up that an armor car has been stolen by the Riddler. And we're just, as we're seeing this, we're just realizing more and more that like, this is not the big thing that we should be worried about because even Nightwing is just like, the C-lister, like him <laughs> of all people. So they take down the Riddler who, again, stole an armor car and are just as they're, they're talking about it too, just like kind of like the idea of this relationship and really going for it. Now that they've taken out Riddler and Selena knows the true identity of Batman, Bruce Wayne, it's time for our rogues gallery montage of Bruce and Selena just taking out people left and right as they fight crime and they they check to see how the steam room is going without any of their without any of their costumes oh yeah <laughs> they they have so much fun together taking down all these villains the only one they're missing of course is hush they haven't mm-hmm. they haven't been able to catch up to hush but they are really enjoying this relationship to the point where they're even thinking about going on vacation together and another great line where selena's like come on one one vacation, one quick vacation from Gotham, I'll pay. And Batman's like, <laughs> yo, what? <laughs> and as much as he would love to commit to this vacation, finally, a new development in the case comes in. So he has to follow up. He has to figure out what's going on with Hush and Tommy. He's got it. It's just in his bones. Mm-hmm. So selena and nightwing go to investigate a cemetery alarm while batman goes off on his own and unfortunately nightwing drew the short end of the stick once again because he ends up face to face with the scarecrow in front of an empty grave of thomas elliott oh man so now we're just like wondering what the what the heck is going on Scarecrow unfortunately hits Nightwing with the fear toxin that he's famous for, sending Nightwing into a frenzy of just trying to escape because he's just seeing images. And Catwoman is able to take down Scarecrow, but right before she's she's able to knock him out completely, Scarecrow frantically screams out, no, you can't stop me. He said that if you stop me, you will kill me. Catwoman doesn't care for this, punches out Scarecrow, runs on over, gives Nightwing the antidote to the fear toxin. And as she's kind of like looking on and kind of proud of herself of such a job well done, she gets hit with something and it blacks out. And we discover that she has now been captured by Hush. Yeah. And I want to mention real quickly, I'm sorry, Nightwing. I got to roast you real quick. Mm -hmm. Half the villains in Gotham have some kind of gas or scent gimmick. (laughs) nose plugs are a default my boy like what are you doing poison ivy scarecrow come on like joker joker (laughs) i always have gas based villains it's just come you gotta go to the sewers carry some nose plugs (laughs) or at least wear a mask man i mean no if the pandemic has taught us anything it's you might have to wear a mask (laughs) yeah come on like we know that your design is cool masks are better in any case so if i nightwing rant the clues lead Batman back to Riddler in who is currently stewing away in, Go- in uh, Arkham. So he goes to Arkham with Gordon and he's like, all right, Riddler, what's up? 
And something is off during this whole conversation. Riddler seems to know too much. So Batman does the only thing you can do. Slashes his neck. <laughs> Fortunately, the neck is Clayface's. And Clayface had this elaborate device that allowed him to simulate Riddler's voice. And Clayface immediately wastes no time at trying to make Batman the dead man. <laughs> Not my best work, but he tries so much. And an enjoyable scene where Joker is also at Arkham spectating and enjoying <laughs> the whole fight. Yes, he is quite hurt that Batman has found another. And he wants to know how long has this relationship been going on because he is disgusted at being cheated on by Batman. <laughs> we are now able to jump over to where Hush is holding Catwoman because the more and more that we realize that Riddler is involved, the more that we realize that Riddler is Hush. He apparently at one point had a brain tumor in his head. This brain tumor led, gave him a terminal sentence. And he goes through his history about just the fact that he found the Lazarus pit after having an operation led by Thomas Elliot. So that is how the two of them cross paths. He unfortunately is, learns that the operation was not a success. The tumor is still there. So he starts his journey and finding the Lazarus pits going back to what happened with Lady Shiva appearing earlier in our film. And while in the Lazarus pit to heal his brain, he has this moment of clarity. And that clarity led him to realize who Batman truly is and that Batman and Bruce Wayne are one and the same. So this right now is his moment of not only getting back for the years of misery that Batman has put him through, but also to step up even more because for years he was one of the earliest of Batman's villains in the rogues gallery. But after some time, it just seems that he's been pushed to the side more and more and been seen as less and less, calling back to Nightwing's comment about him being a C-lister. So now that we understand this is what Riddler's motivations were, he decides to take on the identity of Hush. And as he reveals his face, we see his now bald head with a giant scar that resembles a question mark. Because villains love branding in Gotham. Yep. <laughs> and he has Catwoman dangled over this horrifying Toy Story 3 garbage <laughs> dumpster trap. Yes. And she is almost going to go in there. Batman races in. We find out what Tommy Elliott's body was. It was used yeah. to be a ugly surprise pinata to throw off Batman's mental state but he pushes on and he goes to fight Riddler and in a nice subtle detail Riddler does mention that his strength and speed were enhanced by the Lazarus pit which yes. makes it believable that he is lasting more than five seconds against Batman at all and he gets in some serious blows with his question mark staff he's slashing Batman Batman is on the ropes. I mean, this guy had a concussion like three oh, days yeah. ago. <laughs> and just in the nick of time, Catwoman comes in for a much needed assist. Yes, the two are now fighting against Hush Riddler as Batman is also pretty much 
bashing this dude, talking about how he had to go through this whole entire journey. It reminded me very much of Slade back in the Judas contract, or basically, I guess, like any kind of comment that Robin Damian Wayne has ever made in his entire life. Yeah. <laughs> He's taking so, lessons. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as the two of them are fighting, Batman is just verbally breaking him down while also just hitting him left and right with fists and kicks galore and it shows that Riddler is being affected by it so eventually they finally go in for the final blow as Riddler is almost falling into this fiery inferno that Selina was first going to be thrown into and Batman does his best to run over and save his life while the entire building around them is just crumbling and collapsing around them and as Selena is just like, we need to go. This, this, this doesn't make any sense right now to do any of this. He's like, no, we gotta, I have to do this. I have to save him. And then Selena does a judgment call, which really just kind of rocks the rest of the film. She cuts those weak ass Batman wires and lets Riddler plunge to his doom. And they escape the warehouse and we get just... Uh, a sequence that if you watch nothing else in this movie, this scene, you got to watch even out of context. It's so great. Batman and Catwoman are looking at the flaming wreckage of Riddler who has spent months killing his best friend, ruining his life systematically. Batman looks up at the fire sadly and goes, he didn't have to die. And Catwoman goes, are you, you're actually crazy. You're actually crazy. But Batman goes, if someone can be saved, I have to try, which prompts Catwoman to leave the final blow. You'll die because of that. Will mm-hmm. that make it better? And in this moment, she realizes Batman can't change. The two of them could never work out. I really love this scene because it's actually, it's, it's kind of funny. I was watching something else that really kind of, put this in words just a very short phrase the level of heroism that you commit should never devalue your own life Hmm. and it's clear here that batman is willing to do that and it's something that selena cannot condone as they walk away from each other's it's a very well animated scene because batman walks towards the GCPD as Selena walks off into the night with the full moon in at walking in front of her. We get our end credits here. There's no there's no follow-up. So that is that's our film. That is the way that Batman Hush has ended. How many life-saving brain surgeries out of 10 would you give Batman Hush. <laughs> I have to think about this one now. <laughs> really? Uh, this. Yeah. So I'm going to be upfront. This movie was way better than what I remembered it the first couple of times I watched it. 100% agree. <laughs> I was shocked at the level of dedication that they put to each of the characters in terms of, and also into developing the love story between Batman and Catwoman but not only just them but Bruce and Selena but to be honest as also a Batman comic fan who loves this story I had to downgrade this movie to an 8 out of 10 because there were some things that just 
didn't track well for me. And it was overall great story. I love the fact that because of the fact that it is part of this new universe, they changed some things to match along with that. But there were also these changes that I did not personally agree with. And the other reason why I knocked it down the peg is because this movie had an opportunity to actually replace everything that would happen in Batman Bad Blood. Hmm. By which I mean Batgirl being introduced and having a speaking role. I felt like we could have gone a route where maybe she wasn't accepted by the family and ultimately taking over the role of what Batwoman was in Batman Bad Blood. I saw that as an opportunity here. So that is, the fact they didn't do that, that's the only reason why I have to actually give it an eight out of 10. What do you think? I 100% agree with your assessment here. I think that not knowing from the comics, but coming from a different perspective of what they did with this, I love the Riddler twist. I really wanted to buy it more. But my problem is it is so put back in the background of this movie Mm -hmm. that it almost doesn't make sense. Like, of course, (laughs) they explain it so it makes sense. And But I feel like if you wanted to do this Riddler twist, which ties right into my Arate alteration, you need to do something more. You needed to tie it into an earlier part of the movie, like have a mm-hmm. maybe in the first few minutes, Batman beats the absolute shit out of Riddler. I don't know, <laughs> but have some kind of preview of what that was. Give me a little bit more Riddler. Give me a little bit more disrespect. Because sure, you can tell me that he was disrespected and that he felt so insulted, but I need to see it. I really want to see it and feel it. And in a movie where, as appreciative as I was that we got so many great character cameos in here, mm-hmm. take, take two of those out so we can have more Riddler so that yeah. this setup really hits by the end, that the villain is there from beginning to end of this movie. I think it was a little too clever for its own good at that twist. And that's what knocks down, yeah, 8 out of 10, I think, is a good assessment because 90% of this movie is excellent. The, yeah. the scene, the staging, the relationships are very reminiscent of my favorite Batman animated movie, Mask of the Phantasm, mm-hmm. how you really explore Bruce having a relationship. So mm-hmm. I love that aspect of it. And I love that it was done with such grace and, and handled so well. But if you're going to do this twist, you got to set it up right. And you guys didn't. You didn't. I'm sorry, but you, you missed it. And yeah. that mystery didn't unpack as well and neatly as you wanted and that that's what really knocks it down a peg for me as much as i loved seeing batman kick ass with catwoman freelancing it just missed the mark just a little bit yes yes i i agree there too and i also agree on the freelancing because you know who else agrees on the freelancing fiverr do you need a freelancer to help you with your website or wordpress site or an expert presentation designer to help with that big work project. Or maybe you just need someone to write expert articles and blogs for that website. Look no further than the number one freelance marketplace, Fiverr. You can find designers, programmers, and more from seconds, some for as low as $5 per gig. Fiverr is the ideal tool to help you with your pressing projects. Just post your gig or search for freelancers and you're off to the races. 
Don't deal with the hassle of finding freelancers yourself. Let Fiverr help you. See the link in the description of this episode to get started. Please note that yet another DC animated podcast is an affiliate partner of Fiverr. We may receive commissions on purchases and services you buy after you click the link below. These commissions help support the growth of yet another DC animated podcast. So we appreciate your continued support. That was our film. And we also heard from Fiverr. Now it's time to talk about that comic book knowledge as we talk about one of the greatest Batman graphic novels to be put together of Batman Hush. Currently, this comic is ranked number 11 out of 25 of best Batman graphic novels ever created. Ooh, yeah. It beat out Nightfall and Court of Owls. Ooh, we covered one and a half of those i think yeah. so far <laughs> <laughs> yes this comic ran from october of 2002 to september 2003 during the issues of 608 to 619 of batman during that time when jeff Loeb and jim lee were taking the reins of it we also have the ink by scott williams and color by alex sinclair so this is really just a beautiful comic it is such a wild ride I will say that the movie probably streamlined it a bit more because it does get confusing and it does have connections to a lot of other historical Batman comics. But before we start, we're going to just quickly talk about some of the people that we're going to be talking about today. As we got a chance to see them in our film, we learned about Catwoman, we learned about Hush, and we learned about the C-lister himself, Riddler. I'm just uh, excited to hear more about the (laughs) (laughs) C-lister. Yeah, so that is why today's run through of this comic and the history of these characters is going back to um, the live action Batman Forever film to quote Jim Carrey, or to paraphrase him actually, riddle me this, riddle me that. Who knows the real truth about the big bad bat? Okay, okay. As you mentioned, this comic ran for about a year and it really was a way for... Jeff Loeb to write this story connecting Batwoman and Catwoman, and specifically Bruce and Selina, because as we see throughout comics and everything, Catwoman is really basically Batman's love interest. You know, Talia al Ghul may have something to say about that, uh, which she does actually in this comic because she does make an appearance. And, but really it is a story that um, stems from a little bit that was first created from Jeff Loeb's first book, Batman The Long Halloween. In this new comic that we have here, Batman Hush, we have Catwoman who now is being introduced as someone who could actually be a partner with Bruce Wayne. And that is a history that's been going on since 1940 when she was first introduced in Batman number one. And she's also created by the same people that created Batman, Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Yes, that is a real name. It was by issue three that Selena Kyle had fully adopted the identity of Catwoman. And I got to admit, if you ever look at this thing, ever look it up, it is the scariest shit you have ever seen in your entire (laughs) life. She wore a yellow dress, had a red cape, and decided to wear a mask that was so lifelike to a cat that... Honestly, it, the best way I can describe it is for my gamers out there, if you love playing Tekken, she looked like King. 
<laughs> oh my god she looks like a, a female king yeah basically <laughs> and i don't know why they decided to go that route but the design of catwoman selena kyle herself was inspired by the 1930s actress jean harlow as a way to drum up some business because they wanted to have this being batman's first name title comic to have a bit more sex appeal and to also get women to buy the comics she's always been a love interest for bruce and the idea of the Catwoman persona was because, and th this was the thinking of Bob Kane, who during an interview explained that he saw men as dogs and women were like cats. Men are loyal, true, and whatnot. And he always felt that cats were a little bit distant. And that is what he felt was a lot of his relationships with a lot of his friends, why he always seemed to have better relationships with men than he did with women. So he decided to create a persona for Selena Kyle that matched this cat persona. And I'll stop right there because I know this, this, this thinking is wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this sounds like a real Hotep guy over here. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, her character did not have to go through that mindset for much longer. She really became more of the femme fatale that we see here. And now that she has been around for quite some time, you know, in the comics, she first appeared in about 1940. So her origins have changed because, again, comics. And whether it might have been, she at one point, she was a flight attendant who lost her memory and was dealing with bouts of amnesia, as explained in Batman number 62. She was also in some comics a dominatrix, looking to get away from her abusive pimp boyfriend, as it was seen in Batman year one. She was also a this gymnast that turned into a burglar to escape her abusive life that she had when she was a kid. Or you might even have her as the reserved woman who discovers the nefarious plot of her cosmetic company that leaves her to being thrown out of a window and having a bunch of cats that surround her, breathing life into her and turning her into this Catwoman persona who changes her in, her personality entirely to that of a confident woman while wearing ripped up leather on her body. Hey, that's better than Halle Berry's Catwoman. <laughs> But just going back, this relationship that they had, it is really a strong relationship. They are two sides of the same coin, better than probably um, Batman and Joker. So it was really great to see that Catwoman has always been a presence in Bruce's life, except for a time period in about 1954. Unfortunately, Catwoman was taken out of comics entirely because the Comics Code Authority wanted to do an overhaul on all female characters. So for 12 years, she was not in any comic, which is wow. just wild. Yeah. 12 years without Catwoman. That seems wrong. Yeah. You know, it was really heard about that, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, though, she does make her come back. And this leads into them joining on adventures together once again. And very similar to our film here and to the comic, Bruce does end up revealing his identity to her as she does with him. And the two of them got married. Damn, Bruce put a ring on it. Yeah, yeah. And that was back in the 60s or so. But that actually wasn't, that's the first time they got married, but that's actually not the second time. We're now at a point in comic books currently in 2021 or so where Bruce Wayne actually went on an entire journey in the cat in his series 
um, under the DC Rebirth publication, where he has fallen in love again with Catwoman. The two have gone into many journeys of her trying to reform herself as a hero. And now the two of them um, have gone into this on and off again state where eventually I believe now they are currently married, even though she actually did leave him at the altar at one point. Well, all marriages have their problems. <laughs> yes. And in terms of like questioning where these problems might lie, he might not have the answers, but he does have a lot of other questions as we talk about the Riddler. Edward Nigma is the name of the Riddler. He first appeared in Detective Comics number 140 back in 1948. So it's kind of cool to see a lot of these heroes, these, well, not sorry, not heroes, but actually villains, mm -hmm. have such a long running impact on the Batman mythos. As a kid, he was very much into puzzles and trying to know the answer to everything. So he was always a bit of a show off. And one time he decided to kind of lead into his life of crime when he decided to cheat during a test that his school was providing. So he went in, stole the answers. It was a puzzle that he had to put together. So he tried to do it in a way where he gets teach himself how to put it together in under a minute. And because of that, he always got this thrill of always knowing the answer before anyone else. And that is how he decided to lead his life and turn into the person that we have today, the Riddler. The Riddler has a much different path than we see in this film. The Riddler is not Hush. Hush is actually working with Riddler because again, Riddler does discover he has this brain tumor. He does discover that Bruce Wayne is Batman. So prior to making his comeback after having his brain tumor healed by the Lazarus pit, he has a conversation with Thomas Elliot and he realizes that Thomas Elliot hates Batman as much, hates Bruce Wayne as much as the Riddler hates Bruce Wayne slash Batman. So the two of them actually team up. And that is where we get revealed that Thomas Elliot is actually Hush. Hmm. That, that makes sense. That's some built-in backstory for once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really wild to see this reveal. Like the, the way that the movie did it, unfortunately mixes around a lot of things. And I think that's really because we wanted to focus in on the love story that we have with um, Bruce and Selena, a love story that I think actually, it does a better job of it in this film than it did in the comic. Because going back to Catwoman, the two of them don't part because she realizes that Bruce is going to risk his life and devalue his own life for the sake of his own heroics. But rather, Bruce realizes that he still can't trust her. And that's something that's an ongoing theme throughout a lot of the Batman and Catwoman scenarios that we've seen in a lot of comics. So when that happens, we realize that Bruce is alone again, and it's all part of the ploy that Thomas Elliot and Riddler had to really kind of take out Bruce Wayne. And a lot of things are different, which are a lot, some of the stuff is like, we do see an appearance of Clayface, but it's actually Clayface is pretending to be Hush, who also pretends to be a bunch of other different people within the comic. Oh, okay. Now I can uh, see where you're going with this. Yes, yes. It is really great to see that Riddler was a part of this whole planning process that they had. And the reason at the end, it does get revealed that Riddler does know that Bruce is Batman. 
But the reason why he decides not to tell the world is because going back to his origins was the worth of a riddle whose answer everybody knows. That is something that the movie missed. We saw in the movie that Riddler was very much set to reveal this identity possibly in front of Commissioner Gordon. We don't know if he actually would have had it not been Batman cutting his throat. But in the comic, it is actually just a conversation between Batman and Riddler. And Batman leaves him fearing for his life because there's some more backstory here that's also explained that Rachel Ghoul is also involved. And knowing that Riddler has desecrated basically his Lazarus fits, Riddler now realizes that he must live his life on the run because Rachel Ghoul is nobody you mess with. Mm-hmm. He's got those resources. He's got Talia. <laughs> this is what I think I loved about this comic in general, because we get a chance to see, it really does send you on a ride of this more of a detective story than this love story for Bruce Wayne and a deep like introspective look of who he is as a person. I can't put these two in the same category. Like no, neither is better than the other. They were both good for certain reasons. And that's because if you really want a detective story, then look at this. I think this is the thriller Wild Ride that was written in about nine issues or so versus the movie that we just saw in which if you really want to get a sense of who Bruce Wayne is and his relationship to Catwoman over all these years, that is what you need to see. I think that is the movie that we needed instead of going back. Just That's the movie that we needed instead of Batman Bad Blood because it really showed to me that we need a time with Bruce Wayne. We didn't have that. Everything that we had done in the past dealt with Damien and never dealt with how Bruce Wayne was experiencing life. It is crazy to see that after all this time that a movie that I first did not enjoy because I was so stuck in my comic book knowledge, I have now changed my mindset about it. And again, because it's two different, these mediums do two different things. They have two different goals now. And I realize that now. The comic was really putting forward the idea of connecting this Batman mythos. But this movie was what we needed for a true Batman solo film. And it really connected very well with the rest of the films. And I'm very glad that we got a chance to see this new version of Batman here, right before he comes to an end in this universe that we have here. But we still have a lot more people that we have to go through in this universe and very excited for who we get to see next. This is an appropriate Batman break. I think this was a time where they chose to add some layers to his character, even though we finally knew who he was, kind of, this added a new aspect to his life that they hadn't really tackled in the universe. So well done for making us again, destroy bad blood. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Despite it is, is it the lowest rated movie in our catalog at this point? I, I, <laughs> yeah, I think it's um, Bad Blood followed by Throne of Atlantis, um, both of which are hitting below four, I think. I think so. Yeah, I think they're trending low. So let's hope we don't reach new depths <laughs> next week. <laughs> yes. As next week, we get a chance to see the Amazon herself 
in Wonder Woman Bloodlines? Because as much as we love Wonder Woman, is placing a Wonder Woman origin prequel slash modern day story right before the conclusion of your cinematic universe the right choice? I think you know the answer, but we're going to ask it anyway. <laughs> yes, we will definitely be marveling at the choices that, that are made in this film here. Until then, take care of yourselves. And uh, if you need to wrap yourself up in bandages, uh, I don't know, make sure you use your flexible spending account to do so. <laughs> yeah, make sure that you uh, ask Poison Ivy to steal some money for you so that you can actually afford real surgery. <laughs> Now that we've finished talking about our DC animated content, here are some recommended readings for you. All these comics and more can be found at your local comic shop, so remember to venture out and support your part of the source wall, and tell them Andrew and Shamar sent you. The first on our list is Batman Hush. This comic by Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee serves as the source material for our film. Next we have Batman Rebirth. Starting with issue number 9 but culminating by Batman Volume 7 The Wedding, this Batman series by Tom King takes place in the Rebirth universe and is probably the second best story to show the bat and cat love. You're taken on an amazing journey as Batman decides to once again reach out to Selina, leading into a love story that spans several story arcs in the series. Last we have Batman Year One. This collection of comics from 1986 by Frank Miller and David Mazzuccelli retells the origin of Batman including his first time running into Selina Kyle. Despite Batman having the title, this arc takes you on the modern retelling of the journey Selina took towards becoming Catwoman. It was also adapted in the 2011 animated movie of the same name. That's all for our list. Thank you for listening and be sure to rate, review, and follow yet another DC animated podcast. Also, interact with us on social media for news on upcoming content. Take care and we'll see you for the next issue.